we're beginning our series on Hebrews. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question, which is what the question is, what is the focus of your life? What do you love most about your life? Or what is what are you building towards in your life? And if you think I'm not really sure, a, a way that you can work that out for yourself is to ask the question, what am I afraid of? Now, I don't mean like spiders. Maybe you're afraid of spiders because you had older brothers who tormented you. But <clears throat> uh, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of, I don't know, getting sick and losing your job? Is that because you love your health or you love the, the status that you get from the work that you do? What is the focus of your life? I said, we're going to begin our series in Hebrews. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the some of the details of the letter before we sort of dive into uh, looking at some of the verses. So when we when we're coming to the New Testament letters or any book of the Bible, really, we need to understand that these are not just things that have been written down to be compiled into a book for us to read. These were things that were written to people, by people, for specific situations and specific circumstances to try and correct or encourage or deal with certain things. And so who was this letter written by? Who was it written for? When was it written? And why was it written? Now, Unfortunately, Hebrews is one of those uh, books of the Bible where some of these, a couple of these questions we can't really answer. We don't really know who it was written by. Some people think it was uh, Paul, some think it was Barnabas, some think Apollos who worked alongside them. We're not really sure. But what we do know from the way that it's written and the things that are said is that that person had first-hand experience of being around the apostles. Who was it written to? There's no specific church or person named. Some of the letters, particularly Paul's, he says, to the church here or to my brother or he refers to people, specific people. But the style and the references made indicate it's written to a group of believers so not to an individual but to a group of christians who were together who had a firm understanding of the old testament if you cast your mind back i don't know how many months now it feels like it was a long time when in one of the encouragement videos that we were doing during the lockdown uh, i think i encouraged it, people to read the first five books of the bible in order to prepare for the Hebrew series that was about to start, which was then delayed for almost a year. Because the people that are being written to in Hebrews, they understood, they had a, an intimate knowledge. They were aware of the whole sweep of the Old Testament. And in particular, they have a, there's a strong emphasis on the first five books of the Bible and what happens there. And they knew the author well. The author talks about coming to visit them, bringing Timothy along and coming to visit them. But also like the author, they are in effect second generation Christians in that they're separated by time and possibly by location from the, the ministry of Jesus himself. 
they didn't have a first-hand interaction with Jesus. They, like us, were reliant on others to tell them of all that Jesus did and said. And that's helpful to us. That should be encouraging because what's being said to them is being said to us. Obviously, that's true of the whole Bible, but we're in the same situation as they were. When it was written, I mean, this is sort of more out of interest, really, but it was written probably in the first century before 70 AD, which is when the, the temple in Jerusalem was uh, destroyed. And we think that it was written before that, or most people think it was written before that, because otherwise that would have been referenced in the letter, because there's strong emphasis on, as we will see later on in the next few weeks, on the, the concept of sacrifices and tabernacle worship, that kind of stuff, that would have been referenced most likely in the letter. But more importantly, I suppose, is why it was written. Those other things, they're interesting, but really what they, what they help us try and understand, what they give us an insight into is why was this written? So as you, as you read through the Bible, as you read through particularly letters, you can ask your question, why is, why is this being referenced? Why is the author talking about these things? And if we look and we take that question through Hebrews, we can see that this is a church that is facing difficulty, possibly persecution, that some people in the church seem to be abandoning their faith. They seem to be walking away, giving up on meeting together because things have got difficult. Chapter 10 gives us a, a few clues about that. But the purpose of the book, the purpose of the letter, according to the author himself, is in, we can find in Hebrews 13, 22. It says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. I'm not entirely sure that 13 chapters counts as briefly. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I told you to pray for Jane. Um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, the author says, bear with my word of exhortation. And that's my emphasis there. So Hebrews is a word of exhortation, a word to encourage and build up and inspire. And the way that it's written, it's, it's almost written like how you would speak it. It's, it's written like a, almost a, a, a condensed version of a, a highlight reel of sermons. And it comes in these kind of sort of punchy blocks where there's something is quoted or talked about, this concept or idea from the Old Testament, and then how that relates to Jesus, and then a warning if we neglect that. And so there's this kind of sort of pattern that takes place. This is, this is what it was like, and this is how that finds its fulfillment in Jesus, and this is what is at stake if we don't take hold of it. 
And so I just want to, before we get into it, I'm about to sort of start properly in, in a few moments. Uh, I want to encourage you with a few things to make the most of Hebrews. And so you can do something, uh, if you want to invest sort of four or five pounds, you could buy one of these. Uh, there's a picture of it there on the screen. It's available in just plain black as well. I think the plain black one is like 50p more expensive, which is why I got the one that's green and has sort of stuff on it because uh, that's the kind of frugal guy I am. But basically, this is the book of Hebrews, the letter to Hebrews on its own. It's the same words that would be in uh, your Bible. It's an ESV version, and it's got pages opposite like this. So you can take notes. You can write things down as you go along. So you might want to invest in one of those so that you can read through Hebrews and make some notes, or you can bring it along on a Sunday and make some notes about what's said about each chapter. You can get a whole Bible that's like that as well with sort of nice big spaces for you to write. Read the whole thing out loud in one sitting. Have you ever done that with a book of the Bible? It is, um, it, it is amazing. It will change the way that you appreciate the scripture. I can remember very distinctly a, a time when uh, Megan was out and the, everyone was out of the house uh, and I was on my own and I read the book of Romans out loud in my front room. And, I, you know, I, I really got into it. It was great. You read some of this stuff and you think, oh, I, I've read that in my mind quietly to myself. But when I've spoken it out loud and then I, I, I think, oh, hang on. No, that's you don't just say that quietly and meekly. That has to be declared boldly. Try that with the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews. Read it out loud. I was tempted this morning to just read the letter, just to read it in its entirety to us. And maybe we'll do that at some point because I think it's so valuable. Get a hold of a study Bible if you can, or look up in your Bible if there are cross-references. When things from the Old Testament are referenced, look those up and read them. Because it will, occasionally you might think, oh, that's just made me more confused. But most of the time it will be, that makes so much more sense now. I understand that better because of what I've just read. You don't have to have physically a study Bible. There are online resources. I'd particularly commend to you uh, an app or a website called the Blue Letter Bible, uh, which is very good. It's sort of lots of, it takes a little bit of getting used to how to engage with the tools there, but it's an excellent resource and it's available as an app that's free uh, and you can sign in and customize which versions you see and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, embrace the discomfort. There are some quite strong warnings in the book of Hebrews. When, you, when we read them, when you hear them, you will feel uncomfortable. You are meant to feel uncomfortable. That is the purpose of them being there. Okay. Let's begin in earnest. Long ago, this is Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 4. Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us 
by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He, the son, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. I'm going to read that verse uh, from Hebrews 13 again. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. The aim of this series, the aim of, I would argue, the book of Hebrews is to declare and explore the superiority of Jesus. The aim of this series is to explore this word of exhortation so that we are challenged by the superiority of Jesus. What is the focus of your life? I want to put to you that it should be, your life should be dedicated to exploring the superiority of Jesus. The name of our church is Christ First. Our main priority is to glorify and exalt him. Let's look at these just these first few verses and see what they say to us. Many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers. Cast your mind back to, I think it was autumn last year. It's hard to keep track of dates in COVID world. Uh, but when we when we did our one true God series, one of the early points that we established that we made sure, I hope that we made sure that we really sort of emphasized and wanted to press into us as a church is that God has chosen to reveal himself. He's chosen to make himself known. He's not dis, a distant, silent presence. He's not a shadow looming in the background, but he has made himself known he is not reluctant to be known god has made himself known to everyone through creation romans 1 talks about the invisible attributes of god are, are made known to everyone through what has been made what can be known about god is plain because god has shown it he's spoken in many times and in many ways he's spoken through the prophets God spoke to our fathers by the prophets God has spoken to a people he's spoken to everyone and he's spoken to a specific people he chose the nation of Israel and spoke to them through the prophets Again, this is a nod to perhaps the Jewish heritage of the, those who are listening or their knowledge that, that our fathers, not biological fathers, he's not saying God spoke to all of our dads by the prophets. He's saying the fathers are our fathers in the faith. And he's spoken by the son. God has spoken through what has been made, through the prophets, and now a superior word has been spoken to us by the Son. A superior word has been spoken. 
superior because it's spoken not through creation, but through the creator. Superior because it's not spoken through a prophet, but through the son. Superior because it's not spoken through a man representing God, but it's spoken by the God-man himself. The one who is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. As rays of light demonstrate the power and glory of the sun, the, you know, star of the sun, Jesus demonstrates the power and glory of God. All human beings are created in the image of God. That's why when you hear the story of someone who has been forced from their home under horrific circumstances, it doesn't matter, as Andy said, don't really, it doesn't matter if you're a nice person or not, or what your background is, or even what, you know, whether you support the wrong football team. You, there's something about human beings that when they're in distress, we recognize and we say, this is someone who's made in the image of God that needs to be cherished and looked after and cared for. It's of value. Every human life is of value. All human beings are created in the image of God. We bear his likeness, but Jesus is the exact imprint of his, God's nature. Commentators say it's like the markings pressed into wax. You know, those old-fashioned letters when it was, or, you know, it's sealed. They pressed their signet ring in and it sealed the wax. When you saw the wax seal, you knew who it was from. You knew who had sent the message. When we look at Christ, we know who has sent the message because we've, we can see the imprint, the nature of God. So how has this superior word been spoken? It's been spoken through the person, teaching and work of Jesus Christ. Through his birth, his life, his teaching, his ministry, his death, his resurrection and his ascension. And it's been spoken to us in the New Testament. That's all been recorded for us in the New Testament. In a similar way to, the, to how it's been spoken to the Hebrews. As I said, they, were, they didn't have first-hand interaction with Jesus themselves. They were reliant on others to tell them the stories, to communicate it with them. In the same way that we are, we're reliant on the New Testament to communicate it to us. They perhaps had a privileged position in that they didn't know Jesus himself. Maybe they didn't know the apostles, but they knew someone who knew the apostles. We're kind of in a privileged position because we've got everything collated together and we can look at it freely and we've got it available to us all the time. So we're in a privileged position. We have the message, the word of the son recorded and collected for us. Now, of course, the whole Bible is essential to the Christian faith. This is not an encouragement from me to purchase a set of New Testament paperbacks or to rip out the, the majority of your Bible and just focus on the New Testament. Of course, it's, the whole Bible is essential. We must remember when and where we are in the story, though. When we're reading the Old Testament, we must remember as we're reading it, okay, 
I, I kind of get what that's saying. I need to get what it's saying in light of the New Testament. And I think part of the reason we don't, if I can be co completely honest, I think a lot of people struggle with the Old Testament because it, does, it doesn't make sense. And it's, so we just sort of skim read it. Actually, we need to put the effort in to understand it. And as we do that, part of that effort is to go, okay, how does this, I, know, I see what this is saying. How does it make sense in light of like, that Jesus has come? They were looking forward to that. And I'm looking back on the, the fact that Jesus has come. We need to read it through the lens of the New Testament to make sense of it. And if you struggle with that, if you're someone who finds it difficult, here's some good news for you. Hebrews is almost like a crash course in how to do that. Here's a big chunk of, or a big concept, something that's really important in the Old Testament. And here's how it makes sense in light of Jesus. Here's how Jesus has fulfilled and completed that. And how it applies to you. The writer takes big concepts, ideas, and sections of the Old Testament, explains how they find their completion and fulfillment in Christ and in the church. I hope you'll understand what I'm about to say. I'm going to dad you for a second. So uh, when I'm my children, when I'm talking to my children, and I want them to make sure they're paying attention to what I'm saying. I say to them, look at me. Yeah, look at my face. This, what I'm saying to you is important. Okay, so I just want to just dad you for a second. So look at my face. Look at, look at what I'm saying. What, this is important, okay? <laughs> we are a charismatic church, okay? So sometimes these words have baggage. What I mean by that is we're a church that believes the gifts of the Holy Spirit should operate and function in the, the local church today okay so you need to hear what i've just said okay do you understand that we are a church that expects the holy spirit to act and work in us as a people so we should hear prophetic words and words of knowledge and th things that are in some way revelations of god to us now those things are not of equal value and wait as this okay now that shouldn't be a, a up for debate at all but it's important that we know that we expect to hear from god because the question i want to ask you is do you ever feel like have you ever asked the question god i just i, I need i need a word from you god i need to hear from you god i need you to speak can you just give me, I need to hear from you about this situation, about this thing. I'm just feeling low and I need some encouragement, God. You've you got to speak to me. Have you ever been in that place? I've been in that place. I've asked those questions. Have you? If you have, like me, you're in good company. Well, I think he's good company. John Piper talks about moments like that. And he says this. This is a, 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 I'm going to quote from John Piper. So I'll tell you when I've finished. He talks about having moments like that when we just, God, I just need you to speak to me. And he says this, every time I begin to complain that God is silent and that I need God to speak to me 
at that moment, I should stop and ask, and ask, have I heard this word? Is this word from God that's spoken in the Son of God so short and simple that I've finished with it and now I need more, I need another word? When I complain that I don't hear the word of God, when I feel a desire to hear the voice of God and I get frustrated that he does not speak in ways that I may crave, what am I really saying? Am I really saying that I have exhausted this final decisive word revealed to me so fully in the New Testament? Have I really exhausted this word? Have I be, has it become so much a part of me that it has shaped my very being and given me life and guidance? Or have I treated it lightly, skimmed it like a newspaper, dipped in like a taste tester, and then decided I wanted something different, something more? This is what I fear I am guilty of more than I wish to admit. God is calling us to hear his final decisive word, to meditate on it and study it and memorize it and linger over it and soak in it until it saturates us to the center of our being. End of the quote. It's a challenge to us there. It's a challenge to me there. As I read that, I think, do I ask myself that question? Uh, my pastoral style, um, as it may be called, if someone says to me, I've got this issue, I've got this problem, my sort of default questions that I ask are, are you reading your Bible? Are you, how's your prayer life? When was the last time you asked for God to fill you again with the Holy Spirit? And I think this is what's being said here. It's a challenge. Are we so saturated in what God has said to us? Have we let scripture read us? read the areas of our lives that need to change? Have we taken the word of God and pressed it into ourselves so that it's shaped and changed us sufficiently that we can go, yeah, I've done that, I've done it all, and I still need to hear something. Church, give yourself to the study of the word of God. Now, how does that fit with the gifts of the Spirit? Because I just said, and that's why I wanted you to look at my face and hear what I was saying. We expect to hear from God through the Holy Spirit speaking through us. How does that fit together? The Holy Spirit loves to draw our gaze to Jesus. It loves to glorify the Son. It's his passion to direct us back to this final and de decisive word that has been spoken to us through the Son. And so the better we know the word of God, the better we know this, the better we know what Jesus said and what Jesus did and how he acted, the better that we know that he, he wasn't just born, lived the life and died. He rose again. And more than that, he, he didn't rose, rise again. He's ascended as it said in those verses we read, he sat down at the right hand of majesty. The better we know that, and I don't mean just 
intellectually, oh, I, I know I can list these facts as concepts, but the better that it's, it's in us, it's in our guts, that when, when we're sort of squeezed, what comes out of us, or when we're cut, what comes out of us is, is the Bible. The better like that, the more easily the Spirit can speak through us and to us. Because we'll be able to recognize that's, that's genuine, that's from God. That's the Spirit speaking because I recognize the language. The more easily the Spirit can guide and direct us into closer alignment with the will of the Father. So that we might be more effective in extending the kingdom of God, advancing the kingdom of God by declaring and demonstrating the love of Christ to those in need to those who are far from him, and that we would be more effective in ruthlessly and relentlessly pursuing purity and holiness. They're the two sort of aspects of the Christian life. It's into the world on mission to save and rescue others, and through the world, through this life, on a, a journey towards deeper and more meaningful holiness. That's a little bit old-fashioned, maybe, that terminology, but it's good terminology. The pursuit of holiness is a great pursuit. Let's dedicate ourselves to the study of the word. remember timing for stuff five minutes we've changed our pattern of service you know the, the sort of the way that we do things because we want to have time to respond to what god is saying so um apologies i'm just i'm trying to remember but five minutes is good okay very briefly how can we trust this superior word then we can trust it because it's spoken jesus is the heir of all things he is the creator and sustainer. He's able to make good on what he said. You might know someone who they, they promise you the earth. They, they overpromise and underdeliver. You know, they, it's a good practice to underpromise and overdeliver, and people think you're amazing. That's the sort of the best way. Um, obviously, don't do that in a manipulative way, but be realistic with what you can offer. If you're always late, I'd be interested. This is a complete aside. I've got five minutes. Just if you're always late, I bet you're an optimist because that was my problem. I always thought I had time. I can, I can do that and I'll still be able to make it. You can't make it. Okay. That's just a bit of a life lesson. My wife taught me that. I can't make it. Um, <laughs> how can we trust this word? Because he has made purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. He is able to deliver on his promises because Jesus is superior. He's superior to the prophets of old, to, well, we'll get into all of these things, to Moses. He's, a, he's the superior sacrifice. He's the superior leader. Christ is superior. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, bear with my word of exhortation, for I've written to you briefly. 
once again, what is the focus of your life? Christ is superior. Romans 12 presents the challenge like this. In view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The writer to the Hebrews challenges us to not to neglect what Christ has won for us, not to harden our hearts if we hear his voice. What is God calling you to do? What might you have to give up to do it? Talked about, uh, Andy referenced Matt uh, Borrow earlier. Be interested to talk to Matt about what, what's he given up to go to Zimbabwe? What would you have to give up to follow what God has called you to do? Maybe you'll need to give up being well-liked or even included. Don't get asked to the, the work drinks because you're a Christian. You can go to work drinks if you're a Christian, just for the record. But maybe people just exclude you because they know that about you. Maybe you'll need to delay owning your own home or maybe even give that up altogether because of what god has called you to maybe you'll need to sacrifice your career goals or the fun things that you want to do maybe you'll have to risk your reputation as a respectable christian and confess your sin to a brother or sister maybe you'll have to give up your comfort and the schedule that you want to live your life on in order to gather with your brothers and sisters. Maybe there's something else for you. God is calling you, calling us. He has plans and purposes for us. He has good works prepared in advance for us to do. But we have to be willing to give things up that we might want in order to follow him. Present our bodies as living sacrifices because Christ is superior. He's better than that. Maybe you're, you wanna be this position in your career, but God's calling you and actually, I need to not, in order to pursue that, I'd have to neglect these areas of my life and actually, God says, I, I mustn't neglect those things. And so that's never going to be a possibility for me, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. There are two responses I, I want to sort of call us to as we sort of spend some time reflecting and worshipping. And that's to give ourselves to the aim of hearing God through the word. That means commit yourself to studying, reading the Bible, our 2020 challenges were to spend 20 minutes praying and reading the Bible a day. And that sounds low when, if you think about it, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how, if you write down how many episodes of something you watch every day or how much TV we watch every day, can you spend 20 minutes with God deliberately? So a few, few looks there, maybe that hit the mark. Um, I know for me, I think it's so easy to just watch stuff, actually give ourselves to the study and 
the word to hear God. Reflect on what you read. Meditate on what you read. Play it over in your mind. Why is it this word? Use those resources I mentioned earlier. And submit the focus of your life to the superiority of Christ. I'm going to pray for us, and then the band are going to lead us in a, a song as we reflect. And there's an opportunity to be prayed for. If you would like to be prayed for in general or about anything specific, you can just raise your hand and the prayer team will sort of dash about and speak to people in a sensitive fashion. And let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are a God who speaks. I thank you that you have spoken at many times and in many ways. But now you have spoken in a superior way. You have spoken by your son. And that we can know you so clearly and so well. We can look at the pages of the New Testament and see the radiance of the glory of God in the life of Jesus, in the work of Jesus, in the, the person of Jesus. That we can see the exact imprint of your nature. I pray that we would, as we look at the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, that we would be shaped by it, we would be transformed by it, that we would see see you more clearly and that our lives would be transformed that our focus would be shifted as we look at christ who is superior superior to everything to everything that went before to to everything else that we could pursue any sort of carrot that might be dangled before us you are superior lord jesus and so we want to focus our lives on serving you and following your plans for us i pray that we would be encouraged and exhorted we would be uh, led to spurring one another on to commitment a greater commitment to one another through this time spent studying this book together pray all of these things in the name of jesus amen